0: Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball.
1: The Bastards are back for this Wednesday edition of the podcast. We are part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any of you first-time listeners out there, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical, and at times, savagely blunt. If you're easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I'm Charlie Smith, coming to you from vacation Los Angeles, typically out of Providence, Rhode Island. Joining me on tonight's show, we have Joe Goddard, who's coming to you live from the restroom in, I believe, our nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Joe, how is the bathroom?
2: Oh, it's great. Nice and comfortable. Uh not not too small, not too big, nice and cozy. Uh and the Wi-Fi in
1: here is pretty good, so I can That's see fantastic. Your I mean, it it's an elegant back, you know, backsplash that you had and I thought, you know, it could be right above the stove oven or a bathroom. Uh Joe, where can we find you?
2: Uh the people
1: can find me at JOBMLB
2: on Twitter. Um they can also find me on the weekend or rather, yeah, weekend edition of the podcast.
1: Very cool. And for those wondering, Smith underscore MLB is where you can find me. And our page is Bastards underscore Boston. If you want to follow us and chat with us and listen to what's going on. Also joining us tonight, we have Terry Cushman, not from the bathroom in Myrtle Beach by way of Windham, Maine. Terry a very standard backdrop for you, sir. How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm in the, the man cave and, uh, doing pretty good. Um, game one will have been played, uh, by this point. So hopefully the Red Sox take care of business out of, you know, against one of the worst teams in MLB and, uh, just ready to see what the month of June brings.
1: We shall see y'all. We shall see. So, Totally legit or calling the cops. I always struggle with that word, totally legit. I can't say it. It doesn't flow off
0: the tongue very well. It
1: doesn't. Totally legit. Anyways, totally legit or calling the cops. First one on the docket. Franchi Cordare will become a serviceable replacement when Bobby Dalbick gets dealt. Is this totally legit or are you calling the cops? I'm
2: calling the cops. I'm going to get us started here, whether it was my turn or not. Uh, Okay. Because, unfortunately... Bobby Dahlbeck is not getting dealt and it sucks but he's not getting dealt this season they won't abandon ship on Bobby Dahlbeck until Tristan Casas is ready and that probably won't be this season at this point the way that the Red Sox are somewhat coddling him but also don't want to stunt his development once you call the guy up you don't want to send him back down uh, a la Jaron Duran if you don't have to so I don't expect to see him until September call-ups, and I don't expect Bobby Dahlbeck to get dealt this season.
0: I'm gonna say totally legit in terms of Franchi Cordero <laughs> basically being uh, an everyday player. Um, Dahlbeck, they're just—he had a great series. Uh, well, I shouldn't. Well, great by his standards against the. Um, drawing a blank. Orioles, great series. Um, he was five for twelve. Uh, hit a home run. Uh, I I thought he might have hit two, but I'm only he's got hitting
2: two seventy with two home runs on the season. I mean, that's that's serviceable numbers, especially.
0: I was talking about Dahlbeck.
2: At-bats, Seventy-four at bats.
0: Yeah, no, I was talking about Dahlbeck having a good series for once, but. I think I think Cordero is what he's giving you right now is is pretty legit. I mean, he's hitting 282 on the season. He's got a very respectable 346 OBP. He hasn't had a ton of painful at-bats. He's been very patient uh in the strike zone. His walks this year, let's see, he's got 8 of them and uh, only 81 plate appearances, so Ten percent of his at bats, at bats have resulted in walks, and I I think he's a different guy. Tristan Casas on the uh, disabled list right now. I, I don't know how much of a hurry they're going to be in to to call him up. I, I think if bloom wants this team to to be competitive, he he can't be waiting until late July to make a move. So. Um, but you can play Cordero uh, at first base if if you insist on having Dahlbeck in, who uh, does play well against lefties. You can uh, you can start Cordero in in right field, especially on the road where JBJ does not have great numbers. But I think Cordero is essentially an everyday player at this
1: point. And well, he's
2: 27 uh, years old. This is his final form.
1: That's... Both of them are 27 years old. <laughs> So this is something else to consider. Franchi Cordero can play more than one position comfortably. Bobby Dahlbeck is not someone that you're trusting outside of first base right now. Franchi can play first base. He can play the outfield. Granted, I don't want him to play uh, first base, but it's something that can be done. Um, I actually think this is totally legit. I am done with the Bobby Dahlbeck experiment. Bobby Dahlbeck has had two homers and three RBIs in the Baltimore series. He's had one home run and seven RBIs the rest of baseball. That's just sad, considering we thought this was something potentially that could hit 30 home runs. It's just not happening. Franchi Cordero's home runs that he has launched into the the deep abyss of right field, when they leave the bat, you can't really tell if it's going to come down. I mean, that swing is so fluid. I know we've we've seen um, exit velocity on some of these uh, some of these rockets. Um, I want to say it was the Seattle game that he had the big home run. He had three or four hits of contact where the, the, the velocity off the bat was just insane. And we're seeing someone who's not striking out twice a game, um, unlike, you know, Dahlbeck, who's consistently striking out way too much. Dahlbeck has 12 hits and 54 at-bats, hitting two twenty two in the month of May. Uh, Cordero's hitting three hundred. And he's brought his batting average up from 233 to 282 um, before tonight's performance, which I believe brought it back down to like 270 or 271. Um, I think this I, this this could be Franchi's year, um, and I, I think that Franchi could really do well. I, I'm just done with the Bobby D experiment. I just I don't have the confidence in him. Um, Franchi Cordero is arbitration eligible. Uh, year two and three in 2023 and 2024. Dahlbeck has arbitration one year. So there's one year of difference between the two. Um, I still would rather see Franchi Cordier, even though he's a hair older, a couple, couple days older, and that's it. You know, Um, that being said, we're going to move on to the second one. Uh, This, this is possibly a reach, but we'll see. The Boston Red Sox will find themselves just one game back, before the all-star break for the wild card, totally legit or calling the cops.
2: I think that's totally legit. I think we expect to have at least one of the two injured starters back, either sale or, and I'm blanking on a name here.
0: Paxton. Paxton. Paxton
2: Paxton. Uh, back around the all-star break, which will be a huge lift in the second half. If we don't see Sale before that, I would be a little bit surprised. I expect Sale to slot into a reliever role, maybe even the closer role, which he came up with Chicago as the closer. So I think that this team could could find a groove here and be one game out of the wild card. The way that the wild card race is shaping up, it's going to be tight.
0: Did you say buy the all-star break? Yeah. Oh. Hi, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm, I'm going to have to call the cops, I guess. Not that I want to, but we've got a West Coast swing coming up here starting Friday. Um, two of the teams, not great. That's the Mariners and the A's. We do have the Angels in there. We dropped a series against them. So I just I'm a little bit fearful of those uh, types of series. You got the blue Jays at the very end of the month, uh, which is the second time we face them. We dropped a series to them, but then July those first two weeks before the all-star break, you've got a series against the Rays, a series at home against the Yankees, a series in Tampa against the Rays, and then a series in the Bronx against the Yankees. I just can't get there. I I hope I'm right. Uh, we've got to play way over our heads. Bloom has to make uh, some bold moves before that point. And I just don't see it, unfortunately.
1: So, uh, Job, I, I admire the fact that you said it and my heart says, yes, I want to say within a game, I just am struggling. And the reason for that being is you have 14 games against Tampa Bay and New York to what Terry was saying in a row, you get a 3-4-4-3 three, three set with Tampa, New York, Tampa, New York at home for seven, away for seven before the break. That does not include the three-game set in Toronto, and we know that we're going to have a little bit of a hindered team because of the vaccination status for some of our guys. That being said, I'm also struggling with the fact that in early June, we're facing L.A., and while we have had Seattle's number already earlier, you know, with, with the fact that things kind of went well... I just don't know if we're going to sweep Seattle again. We were at home for Seattle the first time around, uh, and this time it's going to be in Seattle. Well, I'm Charlie. Uh, hold on. Hear me out. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunately going to have to say calling the cops, and I think it's going to be by two games, Okay, two well, to three. I would not be thrilled one, with no. that. I would be thrilled with two to three, and I would take that going into the second half when we have everybody fired up we still don't know how they're going to use Chris sale. We would love to say that he's going to be using the rotation right away, but still with a player coming back from an injury like that, you've got to wean him back in. You can't just go full bore. And I, I don't even think I'd want to see Chris sale go into the rotation right away. Um, Joe, go ahead. and. and uh, say I was just, I was going to wrap on.
2: it on the fact that we have this West coast swing coming up. We, we get to play the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim who are in front of us and currently holding one of those wild card spots. So that could go a long way toward, towards climbing us in. We're currently four games out of that spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a possibility. Um, but right now we have we we have some work to do. And the Angels, they were struggling a little bit. They've lost five in a row. I mean, they were elite for a while. They were my pick, and I got laughed at for picking them as the team for the AL West. I picked, Big swing.
2: Uh, I Big pick, swing. Yeah,
1: so what do I know? <laughs> But Seattle was also a team, you know, we thought that, you know, they had a lot of promising rookies that could have potentially, you know, potentially lit up. And unfortunately, you know, Jared Kalanick just never really got it done. And that's unfortunate because that was the big player that got traded to Seattle, I believe, for the Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz move, if I'm not mistaken. And he was a top prospect in all of baseball. Top prospect in all of baseball. Exactly. So um, great point. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Our third point. Here we are. Nate Evaldi and Nick Pavetta will end up becoming the one-two punch the Sox need to become relevant again. Totally legit or calling the cops?
2: Uh, I'm calling the cops. I don't have faith in Nick Pavetta long-term. I think, unfortunately, and I I know this is upsetting to a lot of folks, he's closer to the guy we saw in April than to the guy that we're seeing currently. And um, he's not a number two.
0: I'm going to say totally legit. I'm not comfortable with it for some of the sentiments that Joe pointed out. Um, Inconsistency has been the theme of Nick Pavetta's career, but he has put together, I I couldn't get the, um, the stats up quick enough, but he's had five or six straight outings now that have been pretty good. And, through the all-star break. I, I think he can uh, rattle off uh, some more as well uh, of the, the schedule coming up. I, none of those teams really scare me with a guy uh, like Pavetta. I mean, the Coliseum in Oakland, very pitcher friendly, um, safe Field not quite as pitcher friendly, but still on that side of the spectrum. Um, so it, not, none of the teams really for for the rest of the month really scare me uh, as far as Pavetta goes and Ivaldi uh, has bounced back from that one awful start uh two starts ago uh very well and i I think he's the most consistent guy we have might also be trade bait <laughs> at the end of July if if uh if I'm right in that the sky falls again with uh, this tough schedule we have uh, in the, in the first half of July.
1: So I actually think it can be totally legit because I'm still not sure what's going to happen with Chris sale. I'm very curious to know how they're going to utilize him when he comes back. Nick Pavetta and Nate Evaldi, um have also got two of the, Uh, Well, I shouldn't say the most because Tanner Houck has six decisions, but Nick Pavetta has eight decisions in 10 starts. He's four wins, four losses. We're starting to see the numbers go down for Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta had an absolute, absolute stellar month. And I really think that's something that we can't talk enough about. The month of May was fantastic for him. We saw an ERA get cut to to a fourth, you know, 8.27 in the month of April got shelled three times out of four. His last performance in April, though, he only allowed two runs in almost five innings of work. We saw the ERA come down almost two full runs. And every single performance since then with just a hair difference in May has brought the ERA down significantly. 8.27 to end April, 3.95. It's down in half. And Nate Evaldi, Nate, nasty, nasty Nate, both of these guys, I have nothing but faith in what they're going to be able to do these are the guys that I I need to have uh, on a consistent basis doing really, really well. These are the only two guys that the Red Sox have had that have thrown a complete game, which is a rarity in baseball nowadays. So I definitely think that this is something that they're going to be able to ride the hot hand going into June, July, because we don't have the easiest of matchups. And if we have a, a bullpen blow up, like we've unfortunately had the most recent series of Baltimore... You need to have your guys go six, seven, eight innings to give those guys a break. Job, is there something else that you want to add before?
2: Yeah, just the only thing is you'd mentioned that this is a two-pronged question, right? This is the one-two punch that re- leads the Red Sox to, what was it, relevance?
1: Was that the term that you used? Relevance, once again, because we struggled okay. at the beginning. We've started to do a little bit of work. I think that this could be something that we can ride the hot hand into, uh, but there's something else that you wanted to add, I imagine.
2: I just... No, I I think you pretty much covered it. I think uh, they are your 1-2. I don't know that their 1-2 is enough of a punch to lead you back into relevance. If you're going to be relevant, it has to be the bats. That's just going to be the way this team is built. It's going to be Rafi, Xander, JD. At this point, Christian Vasquez has become reliable. Those are the guys you're going to have to lean on.
0: Franchi Cordero.
1: Could be. It could be. If he he starts hitting home runs like that. Great, great input, great input. Um, so our fourth point here, uh, this is something that was actually talked about in the last show, but I think this is something that's going to be able to continue for a little while. J.D. Martinez will finish the year leading the league in batting average and become a top eight candidate at the season's end for MVP. Totally legit, are you calling the comps?
2: Absolutely legit. Uh, obviously a Scott Boris client playing for a contract. He's one of those, one of those guys, I think there's probably five guys, maybe six, in all of major league baseball who are always in it for the triple crown. I don't think he's in it this year. Uh, he just doesn't have the power numbers right now to, to keep pace with guys like Aaron judge. Who's got 17. Uh, he's only got five home runs right now, but he's hitting 384, and he has the ability to go to all fields. There's no fastball. That's too fast. In fact, he's very rarely seeing fastballs. I don't have a, a percentage or a number in front of me to tell me how many fastballs he's seeing, but it was remarked the other day by Euclid and Millar, I believe both in back-to-back games talking about the fact that J.D. Martinez is dying to hit a fastball. Hasn't seen a fastball in two or three weeks at the way he's hitting the ball. Absolutely. He he can contend to lead the league in average and uh, he'll always have a chance to drive in runs with the guys that are in front of him in the lineup.
0: I'm going to say totally legit, but I think a lot of those home runs could potentially be when he gets traded to the White Sox or the twins. And, uh, yeah,
2: I'm just, I don't dislike that take.
0: I'm just saying, i I think he's, he's going to be a guy that that gets dealt if the Red Sox aren't in it. And, The White Sox need to get going as far as their offense goes. They've been dinged up a little bit on, you know, as far as pitching and hitting. Uh, Luis Robert uh, not having a great year, as uh, I'm painfully reminded every day in fantasy. Um, So I I think that could be a a definite uh, destination. How about Philly? uh philly yeah uh, well
2: Dave he's got them three times already in three different teams
0: well the only problem is is they have essentially three dhs on the team right now between schwarber um castellanos, castellanos. and um harper has a tear of his ucl right now got platelet rich injections I, I forget how that term goes but he got he got some shots in his arm to try to fix that so I don't know how long he can uh, play right field for. So despite the Dombrowski connection, I, I'm not sure that's a great fit. I think Minnesota could be active at the deadline to try to hold this uh, lead they have. So that's why I lumped them in. I didn't get a chance to go through National League teams who may uh, want him. But um, he, he hit 28 home runs when he was traded from Detroit to to Arizona that season and just two months 28 home runs went completely nuts so um, he did done it before and and he wants another decent contract at the end of the year so um, I, I it's totally legit however it pans out uh,
1: three for three we're gonna we're gonna bring it home this is absolutely legitimate I mean you mentioned it already 29 homers in 62 games played for Arizona he had an additional 13 home runs in five more games in Arizona bonkers. Had he, he had 40, the best stretch of any player of like a generational stretch. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it was 45 home. it was 45 homers and 104 RBIs uh, combined in 2017. The year before he, had, um, you know, the year before he joined us and he had 43-130 as a first year Red Sox player and tore the cover off it. Um, I think this is absolutely, <clears throat> excuse me, I think this is absolutely legit. Uh, he's hitting over 400. He's 43 for 101 for the month, I believe uh, forty-three for one hundred and three, which is good enough for a four seventeen batting average. That's disgusting. If you can keep doing that, your home runs don't need to come as often as we want them to. As long as you're getting singles and doubles, which is what you're doing. He's had thirteen multi-hit games in the month of May, and he scored a run in all but maybe uh, actually, aside from like the first week, which we, uh, kind of didn't really score too much. There's only been like two or three games where he hasn't scored. You know, three, four games that he hasn't scored a run. He's doing his, his job.
2: His control of the strike zone has been fantastic.
1: Fantastic. He's taking
2: yeah. he's taking three, two, walks on pitches that are less than an inch on either side of the plate. It's it's awesome.
0: And he's he's not sitting on home runs. He's he's putting the ball in play. He's just been a hitting machine this year, and uh, that's what I want the whole team to be. But just. Absolutely crushing the ball.
1: Absolutely agree. Um, our next point that we have Ryan Fitzgerald was this year's spring training darling. Now that he's tearing it up in triple A to the tune of a 290 batting average with 10 homers, 39 RBIs, and a stolen base, should he be the next guy brought up to Boston, part one, and then part two to that? Would he be a serviceable replacement or swap with Christian Arroyo? Joe? I don't think so.
2: Um, I think this is another guy that's probably trade bait at some point. We have Jonathan who's in the system who seems for some reason to be slotted in ahead of Fitzgerald on the infielder slash utility depth chart. Arauz doesn't deserve to be slotted ahead of Fitzgerald the way Fitzgerald has been playing, but that just seems to be the way that Heim Bloom has it slotted, and uh, I just don't see a, a path for Fitzgerald to Boston this season.
0: I, as exciting as that sounds, uh, I'm going to have to call the cops. I just think he's just too bad of a defensive liability. Uh, no matter where they seem to put him, he's, he's botched some pretty routine plays. And if we fall out of it, could he be a call up late in the year to get some reps at the major league level? Absolutely. But I don't think he's going to be a guy that gets looked at as far as, um, enhancing the team, uh, so to speak, uh, is, I just want to say this about Christian Arroyo, his, he's, his hitting has come up a tick. You know, he's got his average up to uh 238 in just the last 7 days, couple of dingers, and he actually seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable in right field. There were a couple of plays this series where I kind of had to hold my breath cuz I knew the ball was going out to right and Arroyo was the guy out there, and he he made the plays look pretty routine after ha- having a rough start out there. So I'm kind of a little bit encouraged uh, by Arroyo and I'm utterly shocked that he has not found his way onto the injured list yet because that's his favorite well, place. In- he hasn't been
2: playing enough and that's part of the reason that he's struggling. True. He hasn't been getting enough quality at-bats and it's tough to find at-bats when, you know, Story was not doing well to start the year, needed at-bats and needed reps because he missed spring training and then all of a sudden caught fire. So there's just not a lot of at-bats to go around for Christian Arroyo, and he was slotted in to be an everyday second baseman in the offseason before we went and signed Trevor Story, so he'll get there, but 240 with a couple of home runs, that's about what you expect from him, and if he can play a decent right field the way Terry alluded, he's not going anywhere. Alex Cora loves guys that can play versatile, versatile positioning. He's had 75
0: so I, I... at bat. So not, not a ton, but you know, everyone else has had about double that Xander, for instance, has had 180. Um, uh, but I still, I still kind of like what I'm seeing and I, I think his numbers are going to tick upwards, uh, as we go forward, Charlie.
1: So, uh... I think this is something that could happen. I think it's legit. Ryan Fitzgerald and Christian Arroyo are the same age. They're both 27 years old. I definitely think that Ryan Fitzgerald should be playing over our ooze if he's going to be coming up. I don't understand why we're not giving Fitzy a chance. Fitzy can play first, second, third, short, and all of the outfield uh, outfield positions in the outfield and at short. He has not committed one error uh, this year in Worcester. At first base, he's committed one. Second base, he's committed, I believe, one as well. I um, and I think he's had like one or maybe one at third because they've been doing the same thing, just kind of floating him around. And he spent the most time at third base and uh, right field as well, which is where Arroyo is playing. I don't think it's completely far-fetched. And I think it's something that the Red Sox should consider. Um, the, this, the second part to that was, um, it's kind of like a, a 5B. Do you think that he'd be a serve? Do you think that there's a chance that he gets called up and Arroyo gets called down? Joe, it sounds like you're saying Call the cops, Terry. Call the cops.
2: Absolutely, call the cops. Uh, I think is ahead of him in
1: the death chart. I think it's totally legit if Christian Arroyo flounders. I really do.
0: Well, the move would end up being probably he, Arroyo gets DFA'd. I, there's no more options left on him as far I as think I you're know. Correct. Yeah. So and and then that would get Fitzgerald onto the uh, forty man because he's not presently. So you'd have a tough decision to make to, to get him onto the 40 man. And then from there, uh, it just depends on what you want to do with him. I I think at a minimum, he has to go nuts over the next, you know, three to four weeks to, to really justify it though. But I'm not saying I would hate it because he's, he's been a lot of fun so far.
1: Fantastic. We're going to bring this home with this, question, and I think I'm going to get a smile out of Terry. I I don't know if I'm going to get a smile out of Job, Uh, but here we go. Terry's already smiling, and we haven't even heard the question yet. That's dangerous. Here we go, y'all. The Boston Red Sox paid $4.5 million, not including a buyout, for a pitcher last season, for this pitcher. This year, he took over $500,000 as a discount to go pitch for another team and is currently leading the league in ERA. That being said, did we make a mistake in not re-signing Martin Perez in Boston now that he's pitching back in Texas? Totally legit that it was a mistake or calling the cops? I think at this
2: point it's calling the cops. The guy that's in that spot is Rich Hill. We, we talked about him in our last episode. If you didn't go go listen to that, uh, you can find that wherever you're listening to this one. Uh, it's going to be the the Monday episode uh, for you folks. And, um... I think Martin Perez is very comparable to to Rich Hill. He just happens to own the Houston Astros, and now he gets to pitch against them an extra couple of times every season. So it'll bring his ERA down a little bit. And Globe Life Field is not Fenway. Um, The Rangers play in one of the biggest fields in baseball. So his ERA is due to come down.
0: I'll call the cops as well. Uh, he's had some great first halves over the year. And then the second half's just he just gets trampled on by a bunch of elephants. And uh, I just didn't want to ride that roller coaster again. So if he proves me wrong and he has a, a great start, uh, I mean, a great full season with the Rangers, more power to him. That would probably get him a, a decent contract next year. Uh, he's not a guy, I, you know, I would ever root against, but I'm just kind of glad that era is over in Boston.
1: So, uh, Terry, you, 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 you took my thunder. Um, I don't remember which year it was. I want to say it was 2017 or 20. Uh, it was one of those years where he started off the season on fire. It was just insane. You 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 hit it on the head. I don't remember what year it was. It was actually
0: 2019, but, I think, with the Twins, and then was it
1: 2019? Okay,
0: and then he got hurt, and then uh, pitched well in 2020 in the abbreviated season for us, and then just completely lost it once the sticky stuff got taken away. So
1: you you were right. He started off the season seven and one in May, and then after his seven and one start. Three and six, and he saw his uh, ERA go from 2.89 to 5.12, just completely fell apart with multiple months of an ERA over six, a third one over 5.3. I'm also gonna say that this is calling the cops because we've seen it before where he starts off like gangbusters, and then slowly but surely, it just kind of doesn't go the same way that we had hoped. He's had a career-best ERA of 1.6, over two runs better than his best career, which was 3.62 back in 2013, almost a decade ago as a member of the then Texas Rangers in his second career year in the bigs. He has seven quality starts this year, and that was something that I used to harp and highlight on a regular basis last year and the year before that. His last seven performances have all gone for quality, He had a shutout against the Houston Astros, which Joe mentioned already. He does very well against them and has done great so far this year to the tune of 16 innings, 10 hits, one earned run, one walk, nine strikeouts, and only one win because he got, uh, unfortunately, screwed that last performance. Rich Hill, one quality start. His only win of the year. Uh, Joe, is there anything else you want to add?
2: I don't want to be... I don't want to be the Rich Hill defender because I'm the Michael Walker guy, but Rich Hill starts has been really rolling, and Cora's taken him out after four and a third, four and two thirds, four innings flat against Baltimore when he threw a perfect game through four. Now I know it's only four innings, but he was throwing a perfect game, and Cora pulled him before he could reach that quality start marker. It's um, not something that a lot of Red Sox pitchers are going to be able to reach with Cora if the numbers that Bloom has pulled up don't match it if heimbloom and co don't want you pitching a third time through the order then if you struggle even a little bit you're not going
1: to get a quality start it's uh i I think you have some there's some some uh credible information in that last bit right there terry is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it
0: i think i'm good man
1: Cool. Right on. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me this, uh, this fine evening for another fun episode of totally legit and calling the cops. Uh, this has been, or calling cops. This has been another great episode. Uh, you know, thank you to all the listeners for everybody listening either on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate the support and, uh, we look forward to having you join us in the future. Everyone have a great night. Take care.